Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. As expected, the U.S. Senate voted yesterday to let President Trump off the hook for abuse of power and obstruction of justice, the two things that the U.S. House impeached him for. Utah Senator Mitt Romney was the one Republican who voted to remove the president from office on abuse of power impeachment charge. Here's part of his statement on the Senate floor. The president asked a foreign government to investigate his political rival. The president withheld vital military funds from that government to press it to do so. The president delayed funds for an American ally at war with Russian invaders. The president's purpose was personal and political. Accordingly, the president is guilty of an appalling abuse of public trust. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault on our electoral rights, our national security, and our fundamental values. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. So other Republicans are all over the map in terms of what they say. Some of them say the president did nothing wrong. Others said he did do something wrong, but it wasn't wrong enough for them to vote to remove him from office. So what does this mean for our democracy and our government of co-equal branches as we go forward? Joining us now to talk more about that is Mark Krumen. He is the founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship and a professor of history at Wayne State University. Mark, welcome back to Detroit Thank Today. Thank you, Stephen. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So what precedent does this set, if any? I think it largely continues a pattern. Uh, obviously, our sample size is quite small. <laughs> three. Only three. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but uh, largely political disagreement in a broad sense, and policy disagreement and party conflict have shaped the ways in which members of both the House and the Senate have viewed the conduct of the president. Hmm. So I, I've been using an analogy since all of this started, and in fact, maybe back as far as 2016 after the election. Um, and it's about the republic itself, that, that it's kind of like a rubber band, right? That, that it, it has a shape, but it's flexible. And there are times when it gets strained. And uh, that strain, we hope, doesn't snap the rubber band. But, but, but at some point, it goes back to its regular shape, that, that over the, the life of the republic, we've seen it sort of expand and contract several times. Uh, this is a time I think anyone would agree that it's being strained more perhaps than, than before. But I wonder if you sort of accept that a, a analogy, what you think this does to that rubber band. Does this, does this make it misshapen? Does this tear it a bit, uh, the, 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 the level of behavior from the president and the Congress's unwillingness to confront it with consequence? I think that uh, what we may see is what sometimes happens with rubber bands uh, as they dry up is that they do, in fact, 
uh, become more brittle. Hmm. If you go back to the Clinton impeachment, uh, where Republicans, by the time it got to the Senate, were coming to believe that this was not a winning proposal to seek the removal of the president. But what we do see is a significant number of Republican senators who were willing to ignore the party, but there also were an unusual group of senators in who voted not guilty for Clinton in on both charges. They were people like Olympia Snow of Maine and Susan Collins of Maine and Lincoln Chafee. Uh, these Susan Collins is uh, very much an outlier in the Republican Party right now. Uh, and I think that that in itself is one of the challenges to the rubber band is that an unwillingness to see beyond um, beyond party. And having said that, I think very interesting what we haven't really talked about is the uh, the votes of uh, Senators Manchin and Cinema and Jones. Jones. Sure. Um, it was clearly in Senator Jones' political interest to vote to acquit the president. He knew that the president was going to be acquitted, and in Alabama, the president is quite popular. So I think that if, if you look at those three senators who had, and maybe even mostly Manchin and Jones, they had a very strong incentive mm -hmm. to vote with the president, and I think the Republicans were hoping that would be the case. The and and to me, uh, their votes suggest persistent elasticity, hmm. and I think that Romney's Senator Romney. Yeah, I was going to say we should talk some about yes. Mitt Romney, uh, a, a Detroiter. I always like to say is someone who was uh, who lived here a long time as a child, is a native Detroiter. In fact. Uh, um, you know uh, that decision to vote against his party is being held up as as pretty pretty remarkable and very much in the in the cast i guess of of the way that his father uh, often defied that party I, I i was a little surprised to learn this morning when i was reading about it that he is the first senator to ever vote against uh, vote to convict uh, in the senate um a president of his own party well, you can if you go back again to the Clinton impeachment, it was very clear uh, that Senator Feingold of Wisconsin was extremely torn, and Democrats uh, like Feingold uh, were enraged by President Clinton's behavior. In fact, they're there are very few Democrats who 
would have agreed that the president's behavior was acceptable. But Feingold voted with Republicans in um, frequent motions mm -hmm. during the uh, during the trial, and and yet when uh, push came to shove at the end, uh, Democrats were united. Um, the Andrew Johnson case is much more complicated simply because of how one identified uh, Andrew Johnson's political party. Right. right. And, uh, the, and therein is the complications of civil war or politics. Yeah. Uh, we've only got about a minute left, but Ed, who's on the line, has a very specific question. How does Congress restore the balance now? I, I think Congress seems weaker uh, because of this in a different way than it did even after the Clinton uh, impeachment trial. What, what should Congress be doing to maybe reassert itself? Well, I, I think that uh, Senator Portman argued in an op-ed in the New York Times uh, day before yesterday that the, there are, in fact, areas of agreement among Democrats and Republicans that they should, in fact, work together on. It's difficult to imagine that <laughs> happening during a presidential election year, but I think that if, if we're going to talk in terms of repairing Congress, that it's finding points of uh, of common ground. Having said that, I, I think that the opportunities are somewhat limited. Yeah, yeah, they are. Along the way, and in this political environment, it is It'll be very exceedingly <laughs> challenging yeah. because the Parties are not just organizationally polarized, right. but ideologically polarized. Yeah. Okay, Mark Kruman, history professor at Wayne State University, director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship. Always great to have you here. Thank you, Stephen. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow for a conversation about who gets the right to tell our stories and why narrative equity is more important than ever. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.